Hey there, welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. We continue on post-March Madness. It's April, and it's April Madness. This is our baseball preview episode. I'm Seth Everett. He is the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com. Our friend, Patrick Morrow. Uh, Patrick, before we get into uh, the national pastime, uh, tongue firmly planted in cheek, um, uh, a quick thought on uh, this weekend's Final Four, uh, both men's and women's. The, the drama was great. Basketball was wonderful. Um, the comeback was pretty imp- impressive. It was just, it must have been a great night, not only for the sports book, but just for sports fans. A f- a absolute fantastic weekend, Seth. Um, you know, uh, this tournament has been great from start to finish, and the final four was right there with it. Um, Duke, North Carolina somehow lived up to the hype. Um, it was incredible. It was two heavyweights going back and forth, uh, just punch for punch, a fantastic ending. Uh, you know, I, I love to see Coach K go out the way he did like that. North Carolina perfectly evened, uh, as a North Carolina fan told me afterwards, uh, North Carolina perfectly evened the series between Coach K and North Carolina. It was a perfect 50-50 yeah. Yeah, win-loss cool. record. But boy, did North Carolina, you know, I know, what, I know North Carolina didn't win at all. But uh, I saw a sports writer write, uh, just on Saturday alone, they should have hung a banner for that game, just sending out Coach K like that. They did it at Cameron Indoor, and they did it in the Final Four with Duke as a favorite. Oof, oof, that's got to be tough. It's crazy. You know, he'll go down in history, right, as this this classic coach, this Hall of Fame coach, and, you know, the only thing that North Carolina – you know what it feels like? It feels like the New York Giants against Tom Brady. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Tom Brady's this all world. He's this, you know, surefire hall of famer. He's the seven rings and all this stuff. But you know, the New York giants will say, well, we played him twice. We won the Philadelphia Eagles can say that too. All right. So are you calling uh coach K over or under uh shortest uh, Tom Brady retirement? Is, is coach K coming back next year? No, I see. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that Mike Krzyzewski is not coming back here. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. The rule is when you're in the media and I'm still in the media, you're quasi in the media because you're the host of this podcast. Now. I'll take quasi. The rule is you can never tell an athlete or anyone to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not your livelihood and it's not your thing. So if they want to do it, you have to. Give them the opportunity. If a team wants to sign Dan Marino next year, he can do it. The problem is, is that if you retire and they go out of their way to give you the accolades Mm. of retirement. Yes. Stay retired. Yeah. That's when it's bad. Brett Favre did it. Roger Clemens did it. It's not just a Tom Brady thing. It's it, it. There's a classic thing that happens and it's retired. Speaking of, as we segue into baseball, it's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, retired stories, which is retired numbers. Mm. Retired numbers uh, are something that's very, very uh, lauded in 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 baseball. Like it's, I, I would think in in baseball more than other sports. I think retired numbers are a big deal, right? I think so. Yeah. So and there's so, and there's always like a big to do like if a player comes like asking for permission to use a number and stuff well, like that. Well, that. see that's where that, so you're you're referencing a story that I had oh. a field day with okay. uh, in covering the sport for you. 25 years. This was my favorite one. 
the Chicago White Sox have 11 retired numbers. Okay. Um, and one of those numbers is the number 11, Luis Aparicio. Uh, go, you know, go glove 1956 American League Rookie of the Year, 10 time All Star, nine time gold glove winner, entered the Hall of Fame in 1984. Mm. Luis Aparicio. Omar Vizquel is a great shortstop in his own right, signs a free agent contract with the Chicago White Sox and asks Luis Aparicio, do you mind if I wear 11? My argument is that it should not be Luis Aparicio's choice. Mm. You retired a number. You can't unretire it. And... I thought it was bad on Omar Vizquel to even ask because what's Luis Aparicio going to say? Luis Aparicio is not sitting there wherever he is, you know, enjoying retirement. He's going to be a jerk and he's going to say, no, no, Omar, you can't have it. The team uh, maybe has maybe to he take, would. No, the team has to take the permission away. The player can't ask. So what I did is I did a whole promo. I was working for MLB at the time. And I said, the Chicago White Sox, we retire numbers unless you ask. <laughs> so, uh, you know, don't bury the lead. I assume uh, he gave Vizquel uh, permission. Vizquel wore 11. I thought okay. it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. And I made a, oh, my goodness. I was working for Major League Baseball at the time. I was hosting a radio show with the late, great Daryl Hamilton. Mm. And I went off on that. Oh, my God. I, the whole time was you can't ask to unretire a number. That being said, I think there should be more retired numbers in all sports. Um, I think retired number, they hold it for the absolute worst and absolute best rather. And to me, you're not going to run out of numbers. And, you know, my whole point, for example, the Seattle Mariners should have retired number 21 for Alvin Davis. Alvin Davis was the best player for a decade. Mm. The first player, if the first player you retire is Ken Griffey Jr., then it's saying that the Seattle Mariners don't have any history before he got there. And that's not true. And while Alvin Davis is not a Hall of Famer, he's the best player they had for 10 years. They nicknamed him Mr. Mariner. Mr. Mariner. Yeah. If you're Mr. Mariner, uh, you should, well, if you should you're at least Mr. Get the, Mariner, your number's retired. You should at least get the key to the park. And I just think, city. I just think, uh, you know, franchises that don't have the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers history, mm. and the, you know, the Giants, if you don't have that history, you should have a cluster of retired numbers. The White Sox actually have a decent number. They've been around for a hundred years. They, did go 85 years without winning a World Series, but they have 11 retired numbers. That's how mm. you do it. And I think other teams should do that too. I don't mind the New York Yankees having 20-something retired numbers. I think it's great. Yeah, and their yeah, and their history speaks for itself, right? Uh, you know, you you look at who those players are, and you're not really finding problem with it. Yeah, I you know what? I, I go back and forth. I completely get your take. Um I don't know. I, I think for a player as good as Omar Vizquel, you could maybe be seen to some degree as, you know, honoring that player by playing under him. But it's I, yeah, but I he didn't say Aparicio on the back of his jersey. I, I've, I've taken that phone call so <laughs> many times 
But wait, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You said these White Sox, right? Do they even have uh, letters on the back yeah, of the jersey? Do. They do. They do. They do. On, on all of them? Okay. The, yep, they do. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I defer. <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you, it, it's it's fine. But if if he was wearing Aparicio's jersey, that's yeah. an homage. If you say, hey, on a on a specific day, you know, on a on a big milestone day for Luis Aparicio, whatever that mm. happens to be, I'm gonna wear his number eleven that day. Kind of like know, when yeah. baseball, you know, wears everybody wears forty two, which I have a rule about that, by the way. Mm-hmm. The rule on that should not be everybody wears forty two. It's everybody wears forty two, but you have to do a sixty second interview on why it's significant to you. Oh, that could work. And, and the you know reason what? is, is yeah. because I had to go when I was with MLB, I had to go interview a bunch of players about the significance of Jackie Robinson Day. And mm-hmm. I had a, a more than six players say to me they had no idea why they were wearing it. And they had they, it was because it was the jersey in their locker. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's a great point, actually. It's, you know, the symbolism is all fine and well but uh, if you don't have the axe to follow through with it then yeah it's just okay this is the promotion the promotional jersey i'm wearing today that's the way they look at it you know for a lot of these players it's okay today i'm wearing 42 tomorrow i'm wearing uh, the army jersey on uh you know july 4th now it's, yeah now it's become uh, a mishmash the and, worst uh, jerseys and we've done this before the worst jerseys are the nba the nba because they don't do the the dark and the light and so you never know where the games are I still, because uh, I, you know, I, I like the NBA, but it's it's difficult to follow my Raptors because I follow too many sports. Uh, this is why we have a podcast related to sports <laughs> and uh, gambling. But uh, I, I throw on the Raptors game some night, and uh, just it takes me a good thirty seconds sometimes. Oh, oh, that's that's them. Okay, great. Yeah, because you got to figure you know, it out. Right. I grew up in there wearing purple and red, and don't get me wrong, I'm not. Uh, this is not. A, this is not a call to a return to purple and red. But they've got you know a lot of reds, a lot of blacks. They've got like some gray it's, and it's, blues it's, it's happening absurd. now. Some of them are kind of neat, but it, it is a bit tricky uh, as a casual fan to try and you know struggle to uh, identify who exactly is your team out there. Um, I guess the last point I'd make on the number thing, and probably this is where I'm coming around more to your point of view on it, is I think when you're a kid, I always wanted to wear the numbers of the players uh, that I loved in the NHL. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, having said that, if I ever realized my dream of uh, making it to the NHL, which is every you know red-blooded uh, Canadian uh, boy's uh, dream, and if I ended up playing for the Maple Leafs, uh, okay, would I wear number 13 for Matt Sunday? No, I, w- I would want to be my own guy on that team. So I, I, I think I do see your point. You want to idolize him as a kid. You want to wear maybe number 11 as a young baseball player growing up if you're a young Sure, Omar Vizquel. So you could totally do that on a, on but, a different team. And if, if Omar Vizquel is playing for the Cleveland Indians and wants to wear 11, which he did yeah. as an honor to her at Baricio, that's great because 11 is okay. not retired. Yes. Okay, I think we have common ground. It's 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 retired. There's no question in my mind. Uh, The Yankees, by the way, have 21 numbers retired. Speaking of the Yankees, um, have we sorted out what the cross border uh, vaccination thing is with uh, the AL East and all these teams having to come to Toronto? Because that's that's Aaron Judge, right? Well, presumably, yeah. Well, it's I I think it's it's going to be a lot of guys, and I think. You know, from an odds making standpoint, I think the Toronto Blue Jays, I would take the over. What's the over under on the Toronto Blue Jays? 
<laughs> so the regular season win total is uh, pretty high right now. It's in the high 90s, but I, I think more impressive than their their win total right now it is? is yeah. Their the over under is the high 90s. Well, it's that's not the specific number, but I'm just uh, bringing it up right now. But I was just more impressed because, again, I'm a casual baseball fan at the best time. I think we are both kind of transitioning to that at this uh, stage of our careers. But the Blue Jays are the second biggest favorites to win the World Series right now. And that stunned me when who's I the saw fir- that. Who's the first? Uh, the Dodgers. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, so the exact number, just for that over-under for the Blue Jays. Sorry, it wasn't high 90s. It was uh, 92 and a half, 92 and a half, not high yeah, 90s. That's different. Yeah. See, I would consider the over because uh, there, are a ha- there are more unvaccinated players in baseball than any other sport. So maybe that's our uh, home field advantage this year. That's your that, home field uh, everybody coming to Toronto, they're going to have to leave. They're, they're, uh, you're going to be minus. Line. You're going to be minus four players or five players, you know, and that's that's a major deal. If you play the the you know, I know they changed the the schedule this year again. Baseball just changing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be you played your division eighteen times. Uh, now I think it's a little less, but you know, for for trips to Toronto for the Red Sox, for the, for the Yankees, for the Orioles, you know, mm. the teams in their division. It, I think it's a big, big deal. I, uh, I'm stunned looking at these odds. Um, Jay's favor, you know, second biggest favorite in the world series. So obviously uh, no surprise that they're favored to win their division. Uh, when in my life, 1993, was that the last time the Jays <laughs> were favored to win their division? Great world series. <laughs> yeah. Touch them all, Joe Carter. You'll never hit a bigger one in your life. Uh, Donna, Syracuse's own. That that is, uh, to the extent that I have, you know, things you can remember as a kid, that is one of my first sport memories was being at my uncle's house and watching that. I I have no concept of anything that happened in 1992. I can't place myself anywhere, but I remember being in my uncle's living room when Joe Carter cracked that one. Um, Yeah, blue. Wow. I'm going to the home opener this Friday, actually, Seth. I'm, I'm I'm meeting some buddies. It'll be... The first baseball Good. game that I've been to uh, since, since probably 2019. 2019. Yeah. And, since 2019. And, and listen, I opening night's going to be cool. O- opening night at any ballpark. And in, in Toronto, especially because we did uh, the COVID restrictions uh, a lot more seriously than a lot of parts of the States did. It's I, it's really going to be a party that night, regardless of what happens. Uh, and I'm going to have a great time regardless. Hopefully the Jays win. But you know what? After that, it, it's baseball. I'll pay attention, but uh, I'm not going to the ballpark every day. I'm not uh, going to be catching too many more games. I hope it's a great night, but uh, it clearly looks like it's going to be a really good season for the Jays, at least on paper. Well, it, it, you know, look, they're a good team, but the other part of it is this vaccination thing. And I think that you can't you can't not acknowledge that and if it changes at some point during the year that becomes a severe disadvantage to the blue jays so if prime minister trudeau is listening if you want to make you want to change the rule uh do it in like late september yeah i you know what i give uh trudeau a lot of grief but i want to thank him for finally getting something right and that is me tapping our (laughs) american competitors an advantage and Kyrie irving can't play against the Raptors. that's right oh there we go um, see you know it, it's all it always comes back now, to that it you know? always comes back they, to that. they never tell you the exact reason for why they do things in politics uh, i i get it i get it now uh craftier than one would think justin trudeau you were talking about 1993 the first baseball memory i'm a little older than you the hmm. first baseball memory that i can really remember is 1984 um my grandfather had lou gehrig's disease and he was losing the power of speech. And 
one of the last things I remember him ever saying to me. He died three years later, but he couldn't talk for, you know, like at least the last two years of his life. And I was 10 years old. And I remember him saying in April of 1984 that the Detroit Tigers were going to be something like they were, they were a really good team. And so that whole year I paid attention and I was a Yankee fan growing up, but I paid attention. And I was like, well, the Tigers are going to be great. Why? Because my grandfather said so, like, you know, cause he was a man of very few words, literally. Mm. And they won the world series that year. Jack Morris, Dan Petrie, Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, they, they won the World Series, and I thought that was fascinating. The first um, season that I really, really paid attention to was 85. And the joke uh, in, in my family is always that I know everything about the 1985, 86, and 87 Yankees. The 1988 Yankees, not as much, because that's when I discovered girls. Ah, and suddenly something was taking precedent over, uh, over, over uh, baseball. Um, <laughs> baseball was always my favorite. It was always, um, you know, with, with, with hockey, a close second. Um, baseball meant so much to me. And when I started my career, uh, it wasn't doing baseball. It was actually in hockey. Mm. I was in the American Hockey League and I, I was working. And when I had the chance to cover baseball, I thought that was more important because you sounded smarter. Mm. I always thought when you listen to the football analysis, you know, I was a big John Madden fan, right? Pat Summerall, John Madden, you know, you, you listen, you think about any of the top uh, football analysts, what they are literally saying to me in, in the way it sounds to, to my ear is it sounds like, the one 300 pound lineman is stronger than the 280 pound lineman. And that's how they won. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, oh, he's doing a cross route. He's looking for a hole. I mean, Oh my God, the strategy in baseball. It was, where are you going to place the outfielders? Where are you going to play the infield? What are you going to throw? Where are you going to, what's your approach at the plate? What, what player should you be using? What's the managing rules? There was so much strategy. And that a good baseball game was a chess game. Yes. And I loved the, the, that aspect because there was so much you could break down, you mm-hmm. know, in broadcasting, when I learned what you can't say is he should jump higher or he should run faster <laughs> unless you can do that. You can't, yeah. you can't say that, but you can say, you know, why was he swinging three and oh, you can, you can, because what you're questioning is the decision-making process. Yes. You're, you're, you're not asking for a go-go gadget arms. Um, right. right. And so that's where baseball to me, you just sounded smarter. If you were breaking down baseball, there was a lot more meat to it. Um, and then in my career, I covered in 1996. Uh, I always called 1996 my last year as a fan. You know, the Yankees won the World Series. But in 1996, I started covering the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I covered every game of the 1997 Rockies. That was Larry Walker's MVP year. Um, in 98, I covered the all-star game. In, uh, it, it, it was in Coors Field in Denver and then got hired in Seattle 10 days later. So the first half of the season, I was in Denver. The second half of the season, I was in Seattle. And then 99, 2000, I, covered, I did the Mariners post-game show. And then when I was in Seattle – 
the Mariners winning the uh, wild card on the last day of the season, you know, there's a baseball game. You talk about the significance of a baseball game. A baseball game is the existence of my children. One baseball game. The Mariners were playing the Angels in 2000. If they won, they won the wild card. This is when they had one wild card. Yes. And they had to win on that last day of the season. The other team that they were facing was an East Coast team. So they had already lost. Mm -hmm. So the Mariners had to win this game and they win on the last day of the season and then make the playoffs. They make the playoffs. They play the White Sox. I go to Chicago and then I travel to New York. The Mariners play the Yankees. Now, this season is known for the 2000 Subway Series, the Mets versus the Yankees. But for me, it was the Mariners versus the Yankees, ALCS, and I met the folks at Major League Baseball. That was how I met them. And I'm convinced that meeting them face-to-face was the only way I would ever get hired by them. Because Mm -hmm. I don't have, you know, back then it was all tapes. You sent tapes. And I don't have that kind of voice. You know, I I don't have a play-by-play voice. I don't have a you know, the, 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 the James Earl Jones, you know, Jim Nance. Hello friends. Like I can't do that. And so the only way I'd ever gotten hired in my entire career is from a face-to-face meeting. It's never from something, you know, it's, it's never from just sending a random tape to somebody. Right. You know, I don't get any jobs from LinkedIn. (laughs) The only way I get a job is if I know someone. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm not getting any awards or jobs with my profile picture. Anyways, uh, <laughs> my, mom's, my mom's always told me I have a face for radio, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> re- re- yeah. Relationships matter though. I, I, I totally get it. And I mean, you know, putting yourself out there, you are going to be more memorable than an audition tape or a cover oh, there, letter. Uh, we went out to lunch. We, we sat next to each other in the press box. The Mariners played the Yankees. David Justice in game six hit the home run off Arthur Rhodes Mm. and the uh, Yankees go on to the World Series. I remember asking my Seattle radio station if I could stay and cover the subway series. And my boss then said, do you think there's a person in the Pacific Northwest that gives a crap about the Mets and Yankees? And I said, no. So I, I left. I went back and then they called about a month later. So if the Mariners don't win that game in Anaheim that day, <laughs> my kids don't exist. Amazing. I never would have come back. I would have probably still been in Seattle. And so I owe my entire existence to that sport. It has meant so much to me over the years. Uh, I worked for four teams, the Rockies, the Denver, uh, the Rockies, the Mariners, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Mets. Um I worked for the league for eight years. I was at ESPN baseball tonight for two years. I, you know, baseball has been very important to me. What's changed now is not about the lockout and it is not about all these stupid, petty rule changes. The play on the field has become unwatchable. What's happened. And it's, it's very easy to trace. There is first of all, Advanced analytics allowed teams to figure out that if a guy's at the plate, you are literally going to know 80% of the time where he's going to hit it. Yep. Spray chart. So, so you can move the, 
you can move the infielders to block that. And so the hitters had to create something to, to bypass that and generate offense. And they created something called launch angle. Launch angle is the arc in which the bat crosses your body. And what they teach now is it is more important for the angle to be correct than contact be made. Mm. Because when you do make contact, the arc is such you will drive the ball over the infielders and more, more times than not, you're going to do it over the fence or at least in the gap. Mm-hmm. What that's turned into is a proliferation of strikeouts. Yes. And now you go four minutes and 23 seconds in 2021 between balls hit in play. Four minutes and 23 seconds. That is a song. (laughs) That's not right. That's, That's not sustainable. And so what's transpired in baseball is that I think the game has skewed older. I think, look, I I don't think uh, gambling numbers are a proper measuring stick because there's so many games. Right. And uh, a a lot of people, um, you know, we've seen the growth of live betting in almost every sport uh, that we offer uh, at Bavada. You know, NFL live betting is huge. College basketball was nuts. Uh, You know, we we got crushed with Kansas uh, three to one at halftime down 15. But uh, the amount of live betting that we have in baseball is we, we don't have the same kind of ratio that we do with the other sports that are, you know, really high intensity. A lot of things happening all the time. Uh, the vast majority of it is still pre-match. And I think uh, we, we call it pre-match, but pre-game uh, for baseball. Uh, and I think part of that is, yeah, a lot of people are, are still betting. They've got their angles. Uh, there's very low margins that the house uses when it comes to booking lines for baseball. So a lot of people just set it and forget it. Uh, they wake up every day. They wait for those uh, starting nine to come out and they plug that into their, uh, you know, their program, their software, whatever they're doing to handicap, whether it's just intuition, they bet the game. Then a lot of the time they're not watching them. You don't, cause after you place a bet, you don't have to watch the game to figure out what's happened. You update your spreadsheet at the end of the day. Hopefully you have a few more W's and L's and you go about your day. And, and um, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I was you know, just because you, re- you referenced Jim Nance a moment ago. I was watching uh, the Valero Texas Open on the weekend golf uh, just because I had a couple guys that were in contention on Sunday. And I was kind of thinking, like, this is kind of where baseball's at. Um, it's a sport that's it still has a lot of interest, still makes a lot of money. But uh, it's it's a sport where a lot of the time not much is happening. Um it's got a bit of an identity crisis. Uh, and I, I, I think it doesn't know which direction it needs or wants to go. Uh, I think the flip side of that is when you have that sleepy Wednesday afternoon baseball game and a local Fox affiliates coming up, uh, you know, the Fox music going to commercial, it's great for football. For a baseball game, after you've just watched, you know, a 20 minute inning where there was a walk a couple strikeouts, uh, you know, a long, you know, three, two count with 10 foul backs. And then they go, like, no, that's, that's not the music for what I just watched. Um, you know, maybe they need to incorporate the master's music a little bit more, maybe onboard a uh, Jim Nance for, to call a couple baseball games. Cause you know, the, and the flip side of it is I don't want to crap the baseball too much because I do recall just absolutely loving spending an afternoon listening to Vince Scully and just Vince Scully. You know, tell play a little story time in the booth. 
that, that, that's, that's kind of peaceful. But that's years ago. And what I happens know. all the time is what I say to anybody is what you're holding on to is the past. And what yeah. I do, if I watch footage of old games mm-hmm. or old World Series videos, you know, I have mm-hmm. all the DVDs. If I, if I watch the old, I get emotional. Yes. What I don't do is, you know, here's a perfect example. Apple TV Plus is, um, is airing uh, two baseball games on Friday. I, I'll put it on just to see what it looks like. And then I'll be like, oh, my God, this is slow. Mm-hmm. And I made the conscious choice that I just I don't want to cover it anymore. I, yeah. I, you know, I'll cover it from a distance, but I don't need to be there anymore. And this is the first time in 26 years that I'm not. I'm not covering. I'm not going to any games this year. I have no no intention. My kids don't don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's not because they don't like sports. We, we, I just took them to uh, uh, the, the Devils Panthers game. Watch my Devils uh, blow a six-two lead uh, in the not, uh, third period there. And uh, but but not much beats live hockey, and we we, we both oh, know sorry. this. Uh, you, even if your team's bad, and I mean, you think they're fast on TV. I mean, for folks that have never been to an ice hockey game, and if you haven't, first of all, you know, shame on you. Uh, but really being in attendance and seeing the decision-making they have to make in real time with how quick they're going, oh. it's, it, it's obscene. And just knowing that a goal can come out of nothing in less than five seconds in any instance on the ice, uh, it, it, it's incredibly exciting. And baseball doesn't have that, and it can't have that. And I think as they struggle to continue to maintain, you know, I don't, I don't want to say relevance, but I mean, there was a time when baseball was part of the big four of, you know, major North American pro sports. And from a financial point, it's still there, but from a casual viewer interest, it's not. And I, I don't think it can ever be. I think it all, it needs to find a way to maybe embrace, uh, you know, being closer to what golf is. It is weird though, because there is the difference between regular season baseball and the slog of 162 games and those sleepy afternoon games with, you know, one third or half fill stadiums and then playoff baseball where, you know, I can get up for playoff baseball, even if those games are still sometimes four hours and the crowds do it. But I don't know, I I guess playoff baseball is maybe like the waste management open in Phoenix where all the college kids are down there and it's a party for three, four days. But, um, you know, there's still a place for baseball, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be the first three or four or five leagues that I'm paying attention to uh, the most each year. Like, I love my English Premier League. I love my hockey. I love my football. I love my amateur and pro basketball. Uh, you know, gosh, I'm starting to get into F1 now. That Netflix series, it won me over as well. Uh, you know, Verstappen, Lewis and all of that. I was in London over the holidays and my sister, you know, born and bred Canadian who lives over there. She lo- she bleeds the F1 now. It is nuts. So you know, there'll always be a place for baseball. And I'm hoping this Friday night when I go to the Jays home opener and it's going to be packed in the Rogers center. And, uh, you know, I haven't looked at the Rangers roster situation to see how many uh, unvaccinated Trudeau's banned from the game. Hopefully it's a lot. Hopefully it's most of them because go Jays go, but you know, I'll have a nice moment Friday night and I'll be cheering for the Jays this year, but I won't be paying attention on the day to day. I won't be, you know, if, if they're on and I can work on something while they're in the background, I'll, I'll keep it on the background. Well, I like follow I enough golf. baseball people that I'll know what's going on. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I just, well, and too I have many Twitter friends and... from, from, from baseball. I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they have work and uh, they continue to love it, you know, and, and, you know, 
look, I'm not alone. You know, uh, there's enough people that complain about it. Um, but you know, it's your job and, and, and that's the thing. And luckily for me, you know, I choose what I cover and I just not going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not happening for me. Um, it, I'm too close to it. And I, it, it was too, um, too much, a big part of my life. It's, it's, it's very weird. It's very weird seeing baseball come back. Um, the lockout was easier, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we, we shall see. All right. That'll do it for the, uh, at odds podcast this week. Uh, don't forget. We'll see, uh, we'll keep up with all the spring sports as the podcast does continue. Now that college basketball is over, uh, we will continue and see you next week. And next week, we'll preview Canada men's soccer going to the Qatar World Cup. Probably not. Have a great week, folks. Mm-hmm.